you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, welcome again, everyone. Uh, it's so good to see all of you who are with us here in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online, whether it's live you're watching online or maybe you're watching or listening later throughout the week. Just know that whenever you're part of our service, here in person, here online, live, or watching later, you were prayed for, cared for, and loved before you showed up or before you turned on your screen. And so with that said, we just want to acknowledge that uh, we're really excited to be able to um, have the Morses here with us, to be able to have an opportunity to dive into God's Word this morning as we start a brand new series that we just went through four weeks looking at the bridge, this idea of we, we wanted to bridge different things and build relationships from life alone to life together, from division to unity, from honor to shame, as Steve Captain closed out our series last week. And the reason that Steve was able to preach last week for that specific date is because I had a really special opportunity uh, to be able to be part of a um, ministry retreat uh, for senior pastors called A Time of Refreshing uh, through Bob Russell and Bob Russell Ministries. And so what I want to do is give you a couple of pictures to give you an idea of what it was like. And so this is a group of us. Um, this is Bob Russell. He has the lead, was the lead senior pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. They're celebrating their 120th anniversary soon. He was part of the church for many years. He retired in 2006. Dave Stone, who is a well-known pastor and author, followed in his footsteps. And now Kyle Eidelman, who many of you maybe have read some of his books, is now the lead pastor at this church. And so he's someone that he retired in 2006, but by retired, what really is, is that he ends up doing ministry retreats like this, where eight times a year, he takes eight senior pastors, and they have an opportunity we have an opportunity to come, and we're coming from all over uh, the country, and uh, they had the short people on the, uh, the couch. You can see, you can notice where I am placed in this, um, but it was one of those things where as we're in this, we're starting a series called A Generous Life, and you think about people, when we think of generosity, it's often something that we think of automatically to finances, we think of, okay, in order to have a generous life, I need to give a lot. Or I need to have a lot of resources in order to give resources, in order to do that. And to be, to be very upfront, we will talk about finances over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully that it doesn't, I don't show up next week and the room's empty because we're talking about finances. It's an important topic for us to unpack. But it's something where what we want to start off the series is recognizing that a generous life, a life that goes beyond expectation of receiving, is a life that pours into people beyond finances. It's someone who has served faithfully for many decades and then wants to keep paying it forward, wants to keep blessing, keep serving, keep pouring in his time and his energy and his wisdom and his experience. And so Pastor Evan, when I first got here, 2018, I remember him mentioning this retreat. And he said, you know, it might take you two or three years or so in order to uh, be able to get called. And eventually it was my opportunity. And so we got to go and in the morning, we had the opportunity to listen to a lot of really good content about advice that 
um, Bob and then Tom over here as well that they gave about um, being senior pastors and how to prepare and how to navigate certain dynamics, how to lead, how to shepherd, how to, how to be, you know, improve and grow in our area. And we got to stay. It was in Louisville was the church, but the actual retreat center was in Evansville, Indiana. And so as someone who was born and raised in California, um, I, this was one of my first times where I actually got to see some beautiful like fall leaves rather than like orange for a day and then dead for a winter. Like it was able to actually see some fall leaves. And so this, you could kind of tell, this was the lake that was part of the retreat center. And you know, you could see a couple fall leaves here. Um, I always, it always gets sad when the experience of something can never fully captured in a photo of it, right? But it's just this beautiful fall colors. The next picture here was just another like beautiful red tree that was just on their property. And it was just this awesome opportunity to be able to go, to get away, to be refreshed, both intellectually stimulated while learning, growing, and benefiting from his generous, um, his generosity with when it comes to his experience, his wisdom, his time. But then also, we're able to have a couple in the afternoons, we're able to have some really fun events. So one event, um, one of the days we ended up going to a bowling alley and I, um, they told you ahead of time, they said, hey, but we want you to predict what score you think you're going to get. And so I'm like, I'm not good at bowling. Um, if there's no bumpers, I'm no good. And so I ended up, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to guess 90. Like if I could get to 90, I'd be pretty happy. First game, you know what score I got? 90. And I'm like, oh man, like I need to start studying the book of prophets. And so then um, I end up like, okay, well, we're going to see how I'm going to do the next time. And the next time I got like a solid like 58. And so here's the thing, you know, it's a little bit of a gap. So that was one of the fun things that we did. And then after that evening, after we went bowling, this is the second evening, after that evening we went and we went over to Bob Russell's house. His wife, Judy, they hosted us there. And we sat around this table and there's just eight spots on the table, so we were kind of squished. And he, we just started talking about ministry. We talked about our families. They said, you know, what's one thing that you just love about your wife? What's one thing that you're proud of for your kids? And we just got to share and do life together. By the end of it, they said, you know, we've probably had a thousand preachers around this table over the years. And so just to be able to be a part of that. So that was really fun. I'll get back to that in a moment. But... Another fun thing that we did, and as a baseball fan, this was like a, a big highlight, one of the highlights, is our first full day there in the afternoon, we ended up going to the Louisville Slugger Museum. Does anybody know what Louisville Sluggers are? All right. Has anyone ever been to the Louisville Slugger Museum by chance? Okay. It is worth going if you like baseball at all. Even if you don't like baseball, the way they make the bats is pretty incredible. And so with that said, we got to go and... When you walk in, there's a section that has these game-used bats. And on this side, I didn't show the whole picture, but there is a bat that's been game-used by at least one player from every different team. So you could go and you could say, oh, I want to I hold this bat from someone who played the game many years ago. So for the San Francisco Giants, is Orlando And for the um, San Diego Padres, it was Tony Gwynn. And so I got a picture with a Tony Gwynn bat. I didn't show that one, though, because I wanted to show the bat these right here are from Hall of Famers that um, were extra special. You could see maybe, you may not be able to see, but there's a plastic coating that goes along the length of the bat here so that people with oily hands like me would not be able to actually tarnish the wood because this bat was a bat that was actually used in a game by Willie Mays. 
We had the opportunity to hold bat. So I have pictures with Willie Mays uh, bat, a Ken Griffey Jr. bat, who was one of my favorite players growing up. Um, we also got one, uh, which is one of the ones here, which is amazing, was Babe Ruth. I got to hold a Babe Ruth used bat. And so here's the thing. I could spend the rest of my time, and it would be like when someone invites you over to their house, they say, let me show a slideshow of my vacation from five years ago. And they just show, and then you're like, that's not what we're doing. That's not what I'm going for here. But I could talk about for a while because it was just an incredible experience, a very fun time together to be able to go there. But I want to show this next picture because, again, this was when, um, we could go to the next slide, the picture of me and Bob Russell. Uh, do we have the next slide? Uh, with me and Bob Russell, and what I love about it is they got us like shirts that had our names on it, uh, and he's like, this is probably the only time you'll ever wear that shirt, and that's okay, and so I'm like, oh, I got a picture with me and Bob Russell, and then Scott from Idaho decided to get in the background, and so I'm like, I like Scott from Idaho just a little less after that. No, he was, he was great, but here's the thing. Here's what this looks like, is that this is, the topic is a generous life, and this event is something that, out of Bob's generosity, he does several times a year. To eight pastors, it's a small group of time to really invest. There's a, a, a man named Jack who recently passed away, and his wife Lynn continues on, where Jack decided decades ago that he wanted to bless pastors and preachers. And so what he did is he makes it so that this entire event, going to the Louisville Slugger Museum, being able to go out to a really nice dinner afterwards, all the meals, all the, everything was provided except for the flights, but everything, once you get there, is taken care of. Because out of the generosity of one person who says, I want to bless other people. And they wanted to bless preachers. And they wanted to fill us up for a time of refreshing so that we can be a blessing to everyone else around us and to our churches and congregations. I share all that because it wasn't just, it wasn't just the money that was the blessing we received. It was the wisdom. It was the experience. It was the time. It was the, the moments when you get to sit in a room with people who understand the highs and lows of the roles that we have, the weighty calling of what it looks like to be in this position. And that's, that's, not, a, that's not a complaining. It's an acknowledgement that it's a role that it's, if you're not in it, it's hard to fully understand it. And so being able to be a part of that, I was able to be blessed because others chose that they were blessed to be a blessing to me and to countless others over the years. We're starting a series called A Generous Life, where we're going to look at what it means today to live a blessed life coming from Genesis 12 and Ephesians 1. But it's not going to just be finances. We'll hit on that later in the series. Today, what does it look like for us to live a life that is blessed? Will you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready to see what God has for us? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who is part of our service today. Whether this is their very first time, whether they've been here for years, whether they're back for the first time in a while, God, we're grateful that each person that you have as part of our service, either live in person, live online, or watching or listening later, that each person is someone that you love, that you created, you formed, you breathed life into, someone that Jesus died for, and someone the Holy Spirit maybe wants to draw a little bit closer to you today. So, Father, I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us as we unpack and dive into your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So what I want to propose to you today is we start off this idea in the blessed life. We're going to be in Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. I'm going to be honest. We're going to read through that pretty quickly, and we're going to land a little bit more on Genesis 12. So if you're following along in your Bibles, we'll also have the verses on the screen. But we're talking about this idea, and I want to posit this as our main point for this morning. It says this, how we've been blessed is God's gift to us. What we do with that blessing is our gift to God. So when we think about how we've been blessed, if we only think of finances as our determiner or determination of blessing, then that can get us in a very narrow, myopic view of the Lord. It's the view that says, well, God has not given me enough money to do everything right now, so therefore he hasn't blessed me, therefore I'm not called to bless anybody else, which is unequivocally untrue. We recognize the fact that there are people throughout our world now as well as throughout the history of follow, God followers who did not have a ton of money, but they were blessed. Because in our, our, our culture now, we look at blessings so narrowly. It's finances. And yet God has given you, yes, maybe financial resources as well, but he's also given you experiences, time, Wisdom, the same things that Bob is willing to share with us pastors, God has given to you so that you could share with those around you. So if our main point is how we've been blessed is God's gift to us, we do with that blessing is our gift to God, then the idea we need to wrestle with here is let's look at how is it that we've been blessed and how do we need to go beyond the idea that blessing is purely financial. Blessing is much greater than just the amount of money we have or don't have. Because if we limit it to finances, then we start to look at what we don't have. Well, I would, God, I would love to be able to give more, but I don't have enough right now. We turn our focus from what we, to what we don't have rather than calling us to fix our eyes on what we do have, what God has already given to us. And it's like when someone gives you a gift, and if, or you give a gift to someone, and right when they give it, they go, well, I wanted the other thing. Or I wanted that, or I wanted this. Which, if you're a parent of young kids, has never happened to you, right? So, <laughs> recognizing it's this idea that if we think of money and as blessing is the only way to be blessed, excuse me, if we think of money as the only way to be blessed, we'll start to look at what we don't have and use that as an excuse. But if we look at the whole totality of how we've been blessed, we'll look at it as an opportunity, as an opportunity to bless those around us. So let's unpack this. Let's look at Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 10, and we're going to look at a few of the spiritual blessings. This, in my Bible, this section is called Praise for the Spiritual Blessings in Christ. Now I'm going to read it. It's on the screen, and you're going to notice a few verse, uh, words excuse me, that are highlighted. And here's, here's how we go as we read it all in, um, in one sitting. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not every material blessing, not every physical blessing, every spiritual blessing in Christ. What are those things? For he chose us. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. We've been chosen. We're able to be called sons and daughters of God. He's for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Did we earn any of these things? No, they were freely given to us through the one that he loves. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness for of sins, and in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into the effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You know what I don't read in there? I don't read that he's given us the financial security to recognize that we're going to have a good retirement that with 401ks and a nice portfolio. I don't hear from him that we're going to have a certain amount of a house that we're able to put up for savings that we're going to be able to have a retirement through that. I don't hear him saying that we're going to have enough money for all the things we want, and then once we've had our fill, then we can give to God and to those around us who are in need the leftovers. I don't see any of that. You know what I see? I see that he's chosen us. That you are loved and that God, when he breathed life into you, he wanted to have a relationship with you. I see that he brought us into adoption through sonship. That we recognize that 1 John 3, 1 talks about how deep the Father's love has been lavished upon us. So you may be called children of God and that is what you are. You friends are sons and daughters of the Most High King if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You are co-heirs with him. You are sons and daughters. You are someone that has redemption, forgiveness for, of our sins, that you've been brought in to have knowledge, that you've been pointed to experience unity. See, friends, the blessings that we've received has nothing to do with the number in your bank account or your portfolio. It has nothing to do with what Zillow says your house is worth. It has nothing to do with that. Can financial blessing be part of blessing? Yes, it can be part of it. The problem is that when we mistake part of the blessing for all of the blessing, we give God far less glory than he deserves. Because we look at it narrowly rather than broadly. So how we've been blessed is that we've, been received, we've received spiritual blessings that were we to never make another penny for the rest of our lives, were God never to give us another job, if we were never to have any more income, if we were never to add any money to our whatever our portfolios, if we were to not have any more financial gain, we would still be unlimitedly blessed. Because you don't earn his blessing. It's an unmerited favor. It's a gift. That's why how we've been blessed is God's gift to us. But we can just take all that blessing and hold on to it and hoard it. We can say, well, it's mine. And we can make the same mistake of the guy in Luke 12 that tries to build bigger barns for himself and says, I'm going to store up all these things for myself. And then later that day in the parable, he dies. And who's, what's going to happen with all his stuff? Friends, we, we're not defined by our stuff, by our physical or material gifts that we receive from God. Our blessings Go far beyond where moths can steal or can destroy and thieves can steal. Our treasure, our blessing is in heaven with God. So if that's how we've been blessed, those spiritual blessings, now we need to look at why we've been blessed. Like what's the point of it? Is it for us to feel comfortable? Is it for us to have everything where we feel like everything's right in our lives and so we have a bubble that's, that keeps us away from harm or from insecurity or from difficulty? No, this is what it says here. It says, God blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. 
And his great concern is that the whole world might be blessed. The missionary mandate of the church does not begin with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's not when we were called to be missionaries. It's not even in Matthew 28.18-20 known as the Great Commission. When Jesus, right before he ascends, tells them to go into all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to do everything that I've obeyed them, and all the commandments I've given them. And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. That's not when the missionary mandate started. When did it start? It begins with God's covenant with Abraham. As Warren Wearsby puts, we are blessed that we might be a blessing. Whatever we receive from God is not to be held onto and, and withheld and, and built a wall so that other people can't receive from God either. We're called, we are blessed to be a blessing. If you've come to church for any amount of time, this is not a new phrase. I'm not, I'm not coming up with anything new. We're just looking at the story of how God blesses his people, but how he wants his people to bless the whole earth, that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed, and that he wants to pour into them. And in his grace and in his mercy and his sovereignty, he's given us the opportunity to be instruments of that blessing. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at just a few of the verses in the very beginning. Because as we look at Genesis 12, as we look at, if it's true that it's from the call of Abram and the covenant that God makes with him, if it's true that that's where this mandate started, what does it say? So if we're blessed to be a blessing, the first point I want us to hit on here is that when we do that, that means we go wherever the Lord leads you. For us, for you, for me, go wherever the Lord leads you. Here's what it says in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I don't know how you all feel about this, but whenever someone asks me to, um, like, either, like, we went, had to, went to, I went on an errand last night, and I'm like, so where am I going? Oh, you're going to the PetSmart. Okay, where is it? It's on Center City. Cool, I can put it into my Waze maps, and I could figure out there's three different ways to get there, and I could figure out the closest way. So I knew where to go, and that was that. Abram was from the land of Ur. God says, hey, leave your father's household, your security there. Leave this land, and go to a land I will show you. So it's like, hey, let's go on a road trip, family, and let's just get in the car, and let's just, the Lord will show us where to go. I like to know where I'm going. I like to plan it out. I like to figure it out. But God tells Abram, go. I'll show you where it is. You'll know where it is, but go. So friends, go wherever the Lord has led you. Now, there's a few different things I want to unpack here. As we are so um, blessed to be able to come alongside and celebrate the ministry the Morses have over generations, it would be remiss of us to think that the going is only for missionaries who go across the world. The going, when God says go, that great commission isn't just for the special few who feel called to go. It's not for J. Russell Morse who goes in 1921 and they go to be a, a missionary in Tibet. Going is for all of us. We are all called to go wherever the Lord leads you. What does that mean? That means that if you're a student and you're in class, Go and be present and invest in people. Build relationships and friendships with people in your classroom. Maybe you notice that there's someone who is sad and they're going through a really hard time. 
Maybe when you're at work, you recognize that your coworker has come in and has lost a lot of weight and not like the healthy, I'm trying to get healthy weight, but the I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating kind of weight and you want to see what's going on with them. Maybe in your neighborhood, you are used to pulling in, garage door opens, you go in with your car, garage door closes, and you maybe will wave to a neighbor here or there, but that's the extent of the relationships or friendships that you create within your street. Is it possible that God has you in your school, in your workplace, and in your neighborhood? Because that's where he's led you to be on mission for him. Is it possible that he's blessed you so that where you are is where he's called you to bless others? Is it possible that there's a student, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, extended family member, a friend that you can be a light to today? You can be an encouragement to today. And to use our verbiage from our message this morning, you can be a blessing to today. So if the first part of being blessed to be a blessing is to go wherever the Lord leads you, the second part is to bless whoever's around you. Have our eyes open, not to just say, where am I going and what does it need to look like, but to see who are the people that I interact with every day. Who are the people that are near me? Who might God be calling me to have the eyes to see what their needs are? Friends, if we're to be the body of Christ, then we ought to pray for the eyes to see those who are hurting, the feet to have the courage to walk with people who are going through a difficult time, the arms to embrace people, the mind to grow so that we can continue to learn about him, that we should have the mouth to speak his truth in love, and that we should be God in flesh, his representatives, his ambassadors here, wherever we go. So, if we're going to bless whoever's around you, let's look at what Rick Warren talks about here when he says the church, the ministry of the church. He says the church exists to minister to people. I've heard it said this way, that, that we are the church. The church doesn't exist for me and my needs, but I am part of the church, and as a church, we exist for the world. The church exists to minister to people. Ministry is demonstrating God's love to others by meeting their need and healing their hurts in the name of Jesus. The church is to minister to all kinds of needs, spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical. So when we're hearing about the ministry that's happening in North Burma and Thailand and China and Laos, it's recognized that it's not just one of these, it's all of them. When we come alongside ministries locally, we're not just reaching for one of these, it's all of them. When we think about our church, it's to serve and recognize that when you give, it allows us to be funded to be able to help people locally and across the world with not just one of these, but with all of them. And so, what does it look like? Because if we want to bless those around us, what does God say in Genesis 12 when it comes to Abraham? And it's Abram before his name was changed. So it's Abram's call to be a blessing. Here's what he says. God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So imagine Abram, who's at his father's household, hears the voice of the Lord, tells him to go to a land that he will show him, doesn't know where it is yet, doesn't have the maps to figure it out. And then God says, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Imagine if you only thought of that financially, and it's like, well, how am I going to be able to give to the whole world? 
Now, to be clear, Abram was blessed financially. He was able to do that in time, but that was not the extent or the main point of the blessing. Abram was blessed. It was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith in God. That when God said go, he went. He didn't ask for a map. He just asked for God's presence to be his guide. That when he blessed those around them, it was through Abram and Abraham that his whole people, the Israelites, were blessed. And then it's from Abraham's seed, many generations further down, where Jesus comes. And through Jesus' perfect life and horrible death and resurrection, that then all people are able and open to experiencing and invited to experience a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it's not the physical, material wealth blessing that our world thinks. It is the sonship, the chosenness, the forgiveness, the redemption, the knowledge, and the unity that we've been blessed with through Christ, as Paul mentioned in Ephesians 1. So maybe you're thinking, well, maybe you're sitting there and you think, well, that was a, that was a promise to Abram, and so we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't allocate or, or, or apply a promise to someone else, to us, because that was the, that was, we call it as Christians, we call it the Old Testament, but if you have Jewish friends, it's their Jewish scripture, it's the Tanakh, it's the, it's the scripture that they look at, and so the idea here is that, well, maybe that's just part of the Tanakh. It's just part of the Hebrew scriptures. But friends, Paul shows us that we are meant to receive the blessing from Abraham, and then therefore we are also called to be a blessing to those because of that. So here's what Galatians 3 says. It says, He, Jesus, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. See, this is not just a blessing that happened thousands of years ago, even thousands of years before Jesus. That yes, Abraham was promised that. He was blessed. And he was blessed so that the whole world eventually would be blessed through him. And so we recognize that he was able to do that. But then it's through Jesus that we have then been grafted in, to use the Johnny Morse's ver verbiage earlier, we've been grafted in to that people of faith, that family of faith, and then we too are able to receive the blessing. But if Abraham was blessed to be a blessing thousands of years ago, ought not we think that we are blessed to be a blessing today? Shouldn't we look at all the things we've been given? Yes, finance is part of it, but our time and our experiences and our wisdom and our knowledge and the abilities we've been given, isn't it possible that God wants to use those things to bless whoever is around you? whether you're in school, work, neighborhood, or wherever you are, to bless those around you. Now, if you're like me, uh, you're a note taker. If you're also like me, you like to have a practical, like, okay, what do I do with this? Right? Because our call here is not just to intellectually grow in knowledge, but to figure out how do we translate that knowledge into love. Why? Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 that knowledge puffs up, right? If we think we know everything, it makes us have a big head and we start to think, you know, we're better than others. But love builds up. And so love is what allows us to, in the same act of humility that Jesus had, to care for those around us, to wash the feet of those around us, to come alongside those who are hurting and not think, I have the right answers intellectually, but I have the right answer relationally and eternally, and his name is Jesus, to serve those and put others' needs above our own. 
So I want to give five practical ways of how we can bless those around us. Now, this comes from Dave and John Ferguson's book, Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. Now, I have to confess that normally when I put a book up here, it's a book that I've already read all the way through. I have not read this one all the way through. However, I've heard a few of his messages about it, and I've also been able to go through a training, real brief training. That sounds dramatic. It wasn't dramatic, but it was like a 20-minute presentation on Right Now Media. So if you have Right Now Media through our church, it's a resource that we provide to people so that they can grow in their walk with Jesus. If you have Right Now Media, you could search Dave Ferguson, and you can find what his teaching on this method as well. But here's how it boils down to is that he looks at five ways to bless people and he makes it into an acronym B-L-E-S-S. Now he'll say this right off the bat because when I put number one up there you'll be like eh that kind of starts with a B but he's like I get it it's a little bit of a stretch but we're going with it. So number one is begin with prayer and also because plus isn't a word so you can't say pray first. So begin with prayer and so here's the things when it's like God, who would you want me to bless today? Or this idea, God, what have you called me to? If you've called me to be a teacher, God, help me to be the best teacher that glorifies you. If you've called me into the medical field, help me to help heal people physically and come alongside them, but also to know that there's an opportunity to pour into them eternally. God, if I'm working at my own business, help me to live and steward and grow in such a way that gives you glory. God, if I'm a parent, help me to be someone who's worthy of the name Father that you hold so dearly to yourself? What have you called me to? And then secondly, who do you want me to bless? You ever had a moment when you're praying for someone and then all of a sudden you're walking around or you're out and about and you see that person? I'm like, oh, I was just praying for that person. If they know the Lord, you might tell them, hey, I was just praying for you today. This is so cool. If they don't know the Lord, it might spook them a little bit to be like, I've been praying for you, you know, but but nevertheless, praying for people is an opportunity that we have. And say, God, who do you want me to bless? Who is someone that's on your heart that you would like to put on my heart so that I could share with them your heart? Begin with prayer. And as God starts to bring names, maybe write those names and think about ways that you can maybe pour into them. Here's the next one, letter L. Listen. Listen, take a listening posture. Listen to the people around us. What needs are present? As he shares about, he says that we, as a culture, but then even as Christians, we've lost the art of listening. That when we start to talk with someone, maybe we find out that they believe something differently, or they vote differently, or they think differently, they see the world differently. And then subconsciously or consciously, we start to, pigeonhole them or we put them in a box. And we say, oh, well, this is them. And like we talked about last week with Steve Captain, there's an us versus them. And then two weeks prior from when we talked about from being divided to being united, there's an us versus them. And so here's, here's how Dave Ferguson talks about it. He says, this, when you're listening to someone, you're taking a listening posture, not a teaching posture, not a forcing posture. You are listening. He would say it this way, that this is a time for connection not a time for correction. As a relationship builds, that time can come, and we are called to speak the truth in love. But if we first hear about someone, or we first meet someone, and they automatically have a different system, a worldview, or things like that, and we say, oh, well, you're wrong. Have you ever had someone that 
You talk about it, they say, oh, you're wrong. You're like, well, please tell me more. I want to get to know more about you and your ways. Or do you say, walls up, bridge broken, and the relationship just falters? So what needs are present? What are their struggles? What's going on with their family? How do, what, do they have a faith element in their life? Just asking some questions to listen. The E, one of my favorites, eat. <laughs> so this is the idea of eating slows us down. And shared meals build relationships. Meal times offer 21 different opportunities a week to be on mission. So the idea is if we eat three times a day, seven days a week, maybe you're saying, I, this all sounds good and I want to pray and I want to listen to people, but my life, it's super busy. I've got kids or I've got um, work and it's, you know, I'm up to here with tasks. How am I going to set aside time to spend time with people? But his, the, what, what Dave and John Ferguson posit is that if you eat 21 times in a week, maybe you just invite them out to eat. You're going to have to eat anyways. But what if you prioritize and say, hey, let's go, let's go grab some lunch. And then you listen to them then. You invest and you say, hey, let's, let's take some time to slow down. One of the things that's hard for me on Sunday mornings is relationally, I'm walking around and I'll, I'll be able to say hi to a few of you, but, but it's often like a one-inch thick or one-inch deep conversation. We don't always have the time and the space to go deeper. But when we have an opportunity to have coffee or a meal or whatever it may be, there's that space because eating slows us down and it allows us to build relationships. So we eat with people. We say, hey, let's, let's go hang out. Let's go meet one another. The first S, number four, is serve. See, this is what's beautiful about it, is that listening and eating often provides opportunities to hear how you can serve. So maybe you're a student and you recognize that there's a friend in your class that looks lonely. You ask them and you find out that, you know, their parents are going through a divorce. And because their parents are going through a divorce, there's so much tension in the home that they don't feel like going home. So they stay after hours at school, just hoping to not have to go back to a place where there's conflict and tension. And as a student, maybe you say, hey, let's go grab, you know, I don't know what students eat that's healthy, so let's go grab Slurpees after, <laughs> after school. Or hey, why don't you come over to my house for dinner tonight? Have a place where you can feel no conflict and have a place where you can have a meal. Maybe your coworker, you notice that they're losing weight and it's not the healthy weight, like I'm trying to get fit, but it's the unhealthy weight, like I can't eat or sleep. And you recognize it's because their family member, their spouse is going through a horrible bout of cancer. They don't know how they're going to make ends meet. They have no way to see the end to this road, but and the stress is wearing on them to the point where it's eroding their health. Maybe you say, hey, is there, is there a way that I can... Could I bring meals to your house? Could, could I bring you a meal tonight so it's one less thing that you have to worry about? Can I ask some friends from church to sign up to bring meals? No expectations, but just to be able to give you a way to serve. See, when you listen to someone and you eat, it gives opportunities to serve. And then when you serve, often this fifth number or the, the second ask comes and you get to share your story. Your service allows you the opportunity to share your story, your story, how God changed your life, and also to share God's story, what he's done to redeem the world. And so then the concept comes that some of us, we might think, oh, I have to share my story the first time I meet someone. 
You go on an airplane and you think, okay, Lord, if I'm sitting next to someone, I have a three-hour flight, I better save them for you before this flight lands or else I'm a bad Christian. And we think, okay, well, I better share my story first, and then maybe I'll listen to them, but I don't really have time to listen to them to see what's really hurting in their lives, so I'm just going to share a story. I'm not going to eat with them because, like, pretzels don't count as eating, and so you're like, well, I better just share my story, and, and, and maybe I'll begin with prayer, but that's it. But the idea is, what would it look like to slow down? Because to truly bless someone is not a drive-through blessing. It's not something we can do momentarily, quickly, always. It's often something that takes time. What would it look like if you're in a small group or a Sunday school or Bible study? What would it look like if at the beginning of your study, we asked ourselves, let's go to the next slide real quick as it listed out. Hey, how did you bless someone this week? How did you, you know, maybe you began with prayer. You don't have anyone that's on your mind, but you say, you know what? I've been really praying and I think, I think God has called me to reach out to this person. Awesome. Who did you listen to this week? Who did you eat with? Who did you serve? And with whom did you share your story? What if that was part of the culture of our groups? We talked a few weeks ago about starting groups, and we're going to launch those in the new year. What if this is something that we ask each other so that we recognize that being blessed to be a blessing doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be selling everything in order to give to the poor. Maybe God's calling you to that, but it doesn't have to be that. Why? Because we recognize that little things done with love can have big impact. I had someone share with me when we first, uh, when our kids were even younger, and they said, if you want your kids to talk to you about the big things in life, listen to them about the little things because the little things are big things to them. And so if we want to have people be able to be willing to hear about the gospel, the biggest, most important thing in all of history, if we want them to be able to hear about that, the big things, Let's get to know them and serve them and eat with them and listen to them and share with them on the little things because little things with great love have big impact. Now, I want to close to give an example. So what I want to do uh, is I have this um, champagne tower. First off, it's not champagne. Second off, um, I have this water here, and I jokingly uh, made the comment to someone in first service that I'm really trying to make this whole water to wine thing work uh, by the end of the service, but don't worry, that's not what I'm doing. Um, so here's what I want us to look at. We have these, these three tiers of these different cups. I want us to think of this first tier. This first tier is um, the ways that God has blessed us, but specifically through Christ. So again, moving away from blessing being the financial material wealth, but moving towards sonship, chosenness, redemption, forgiveness, unity, knowledge, all these blessings we've received from Christ. Think about how God has blessed Christ and blessed us through him. Friends, you and I, we are in the second tier right here, okay? That's what I want us to picture, that you are in that second stack of the cups, and then, as we start to see what happens with the third tier. So, as we look at this here, we recognize that God has poured into us. He's giving us redemption. He's giving us relationship with him. He's allowed us to experience hope and eternal, eternal life when we know we haven't deserved it. We are receiving a gift from him that is pouring out. That he wants us to have life and life to the full. Life and life abundant. That pours out and overflows into those around us. We recognize that 
the difference between my illustration and God is that no matter how much God has blessed us, he never runs out a blessing. I had about 30 ounces. God has much, much more to offer us. Look at this illustration with me. Has God poured out his blessing through Christ and has he poured out blessing beyond measure to us? Yes. Look at the second tier. Look, the second tier, it's, it's, they're, they're full. They've been poured into and invested in. Friends, when we recognize the fullness to the measure that Jesus has blessed us with, we are able to say we have been blessed. And it's not just financial, it's relational and it's an eternal. Maybe you can see it, maybe you can't. From this, you start to see this is full. This is great. What you can't see is that on this backside, this one's empty. What happens when as Christ followers, what happens when we or if we start to think, well, you know what? I'm full. God has blessed me. I'm comfortable. I have my life the way I want it. I don't want anything to change. I don't want to be called to go anywhere the Lord's leading me. I don't want to be able to bless those around me. I have what I need and I'm good. So we live life with this tear. And yet, the people God has called us to bless are running on empty. Friends, we are blessed not to hold on to it or to hoard it for ourselves. We've been given so much. We've been given so much. Friends, if you were to write down the ways God has blessed you, not financially only, but gifts, experience, talents, wisdom, um, knowledge, and things like that. If we really did that, we would see how God has blessed us. We can't say, well, I'm focusing on what I don't have financially. We'll say, what God, what do I do have relationally and what do I have to offer? Because God's plan for redemption and God's plan for blessing is that we would be blessed to be a blessing. And if we stop the chain, if we're the ones who get poured into and don't pour into the world around us, then it's not just going to harm us. It's going to leave a world wanting for Christ, a world angry at the church, a world that would echo the words of Mahatma Gandhi that says, I like your Christ. It's your Christians I do not like. They are so unlike your Christ. So friends, as Brendan Manning says, the single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and go out and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Friends, you and I have been blessed not to hold it or hoard it, but to give it, to show it, and to be a blessing to others so that more people would experience not just financial blessing, but they would experience the hope, the sonship, the redemption, the forgiveness, the unity, the knowledge of Christ. And that generations upon thousands of generations would be blessed because you and I took the call and acknowledge a call that how we've been blessed is God's gift to us. But what we do with that blessing is our gift to God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who is part of our service today. I thank you for each person here, Lord. Um, Recognize that all of us have been blessed in one way or another or many different ways. And Lord, I know that we 
hit on finances or we refer to them, Lord, and that could be a hard topic. And we'll unpack those over the next few weeks. But Lord, I pray that as we close our service time now, that we'll think less about finances equaling blessing, but thinking of our relationship with you and the many spiritual blessings we have and recognizing that out of those blessings, we can give to those around us. Lord, help us to go wherever you lead. Help us to bless whoever's around. And in so doing, may we continue on the legacy, starting with Abraham, through the Israelites, through Christ, through the church for thousands of years, and now at our cup, will we take what we've received and pour it into others so they too can be blessed to be a blessing. We love you, Lord, and in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.